0: Welcome to the fourth episode of A Little Night Podcast. Of course, we come to you every Monday night talking all things musicals and Sondheim. I am tonight's host, Emily Parker, the fundraising coordinator at NEST. Uh, This episode, we're talking all things girls. Not like that, actually. Um, We're going to be discussing our favorite uh, Sondheim characters, some shows that we like. So yeah, we have uh, three guests today. We have Anna Smith, who is our publicity manager.
1: In the words of Lizzo, I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100%
0: that witch. (laughs) Um, And we have two brand new guests, uh, some members of the Northeast Stephen Sondheim Theatre Company, quite a mouthful.
2: Ellen Maven. Hiya, I don't think I could quite top Anna's uh, introduction there, so I'll just say hiya. No more Lizzo quotes from you, no? Oh, not off the top of my head, I'm not that witty. Or
0: witty. (laughs) No, it wasn't very good. And Grace, Grace (laughs) Wimpenny. Hello, I hope you're doing well. I'm good, thanks Grace. So, we're going to kick it off with you, Grace. Who would you say is your favourite female Sondheim character?
3: You know, there are so many... Good one. So many fantastic characters in the catalogue of Sondheim works, but True. my first and probably my favourite is The Baker's Wife in Into the Woods. I mean, The Witch springs to mind as well, but it was actually Joanna Gleason who won the Tony for Best Leading Actress in a Musical. Yeah, so yeah, I'd like to talk about The Baker's Wife. Baker's Wife it is. so a bit of background on baker's wife if you're not familiar with into the woods there probably there will be spoilers um she is baker's wife is the every woman she's not a witch she's not a princess she's just normal and she wants to have a child and she is married to baker um she's very dissatisfied with her life and her situation And the witch says, you can have a child if you get me these four things. And everything in act one is leading towards having a child. And she very much drives the plot forward and is just really proactive. Uh, Yeah, I think I (sighs)
0: agree. She uh, goes on a quest and I think there's maybe some um, malicious... Ness. is that a word? Yeah,
3: Mal- I think it's malice, but yeah, there's malice. definitely. Malice. Malice. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> She's definitely not above using deceit to get what she wants. Yeah. Um, she, when she meets Jack in the woods with the baker, she literally says, "You know what? We will buy the cow for these beans, and these aren't just any other beans." These beans are magical, and she she doesn't know that they are, Uh, but, yeah, she's she's not beyond doing things that are immoral to get what she wants. When she gets the hair from Rapunzel, she literally fakes her identity. She puts on the voice of the prince and says, let down your hair to me, Rapunzel, and then she actually injures her when she's getting the hair, (sighs) uh, which is it's hilarious, but you're thinking that's that's not okay. Um, but you know, she, she gets the child, so <laughs> so at the end of it, justifiable. I think she could have said sorry and explained. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that might have helped. But then when she meets Cinderella in the woods, she you know she tries to explain, and yet Cinderella is like, "Don't come near me! Don't attack me!" And she said, "I didn't attack you. I attacked your shoe." I just a fine line, uh, but yeah, she tries to explain, but it, it doesn't really go down that well. <laughs> yeah,
0: I would. Yeah, I think. Obviously, spoiler alerts: the baker's wife dies. Shocker! Shocker! Um, I don't know whether I'd say that her, uh, her means justify the ends. Well, bring it back to the show.
3: Um, I don't yeah, know. She, I don't know. Um I think she's just so desperate and yeah. she's trying to what well, she and the baker, they both really want this child and I think they they think this child will solve all their problems. But as you see at the start of Act Two, they've had this child and you know, they they're wishing for another room, more room in their house. So it's the, you're constantly wanting more. Um I think there's a great there's a great quote which she says in the first midnight it says you may know what you need, what you need but to get what you want it's easier to see that you keep what you have, what you have already. And I think that really that really rings true, especially at the moment. You've just got to be grateful for what you have. It's great to be aspirational and, you know, want another thing, but you know, just, just check in with what you have. That's a really good moral, I think, from Into the Woods. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Anna?
0: Do you have any uh, character that sticks out to you? I
1: absolutely adore Petra from A Little Night Music. Yeah! Uh, I think it's really interesting that she's pretty much silent the whole way through the show. She has like a couple of sung lines in A Weekend in the Country and if, probably a few other lines here and there. Um, but she's a silent character, essentially. Um and then you get to the Miller's Son, and you have a woman talking openly about, like, um, not wanting to commit and adultery and sex um, on stage, um, set, you know, way back when that was not cool to talk about that at all um, in private with another woman, never mind on stage. Um, and I just think it's a really brilliant way of. You know, showing that women also have these thoughts and women aren't just um ingenues or um, I don't know mothers. There are you know there are women in every role in society, and it's so rare that you you see that on stage anyway. Never mind, like in the context of a little ma- of a little night music where it's you know in the age where the dinosaurs roam the planet. <laughs> True, all facts, all facts.
0: Yeah, I think. I've never really thought about it that way. I think that's a really interesting way to. I suppose you don't really focus on that as much. Yeah, but it was it's definitely like that. of the time that a little night music. Sorry, you go.
1: It's like that outpour of emotion when you finally get to talk about something that you've wanted to talk about for a long time. Like when you meet someone yeah. with the same passion as you and you're like, Oh my God, do you like RuPaul too? Let's talk about it for two hours straight. It's very that kind of, um, you know, outpour, um, where she just can't stop talking and fantasizing. Um, and it's brilliant. It's, it's not contained in any way. It's also organic. Um, and the inst- like, the instrumentation that goes alongside it—that kind of like driving rhythm—oh, unbelievable! Best, my favorite female sometime character by a mile.
0: It's like sometimes a genius or something. I don't know. It's yeah, he's all right. Profit, profit. <laughs> Ellen, you've been very quiet over there. Do you oh. have any
2: any opinions to share? Um, I kind of agree, and it kind of segues nicely into um my character because. She- the female, well, I'm just going to talk about Bobby from Company. She's, like, Ooh. my complete, like, Company has been my favourite show for, like, years, and I was lucky enough to go and see it last, uh, a couple Halloweens ago, um, when it was the female revival, and when I saw Bobby as a woman, I think she's such an amazing character and very similar to, like, what happens in The Miller Sun. She says, I don't, she's very much like, I don't want to settle down, I don't want to have a husband, um... And I think that's really, really important. And it was so refreshing to see that on like a 2018 stage. Because I think she takes what celebrated in male culture and is often frowned upon in female culture and normalizes like women's urges to do so. So, like, women are all like, trying to keep this page eight, but women are often like shamed for having like a certain outlook on life. Like, they don't want kids, they don't want to settle down, they want to kind of. Be with other people and as many people as possible. I think that's really interesting. Now it's not like discredit the male Bobby, but when I look at female characters across the board, they always have someone. Like when we talked about the baker's wife, she's a really strong woman, and everything that Grace said was like very, very like relevant and valid. But she still has the baker, and her motive is still the child. It's not that she wants to be completely like on her own. Um And when I look up on the stage, I like to see someone that I can connect with, and I think this is why I'm a little biased to this character because I connect so strongly to her ideals. I don't know about you guys.
0: I yeah. think what you touched on with the baker's wife is very interesting because the baker's wife is literally doesn't have a name. her name is attached to the male counterpart of the show. yeah, um, yeah, I completely agree with you there
3: yeah. Definitely agree that I mean, it's like, really refreshing. Oh, go, <laughs> go on, for it! Um, I definitely feel like it's really refreshing to have this this woman, um, this female Bobby, who you know has all these. It is independent. Um, I would say the baker's wife. I think she. When I first listened to her into the words, I thought, "Oh, baker's wife." She's not an important character because she's attached to the baker. I didn't know anything about the show at first and then as I listened to it I thought this is a real person I think she the fact that she doesn't have a character doesn't devalue as a character it's just that I think it subverts your expectations as an audience member she thinks oh Cinderella I know about her Rapunzel I know her story the witch know what to expect but then you've got who is this is she important and then she is I think um one
1: thing about company is it does really kind of subvert the female stereotypes like across all of its characters you see um, like Amy when you think of someone you know getting ready for their wedding you you hear the same cold feet um but you really see what that means with Amy um, and same with Joanne you you see these like rich middle class couples you think oh God I hope that's me when I'm like I don't know, 45, 50. Um, But actually, their their marriage is very different to how it's presented in public. Um, And I think the way they did it with uh, Jamie in the 2018 revival, it was refreshing. Um, However, I think there's just something about having a female Amy as well. Um, You know, seeing a woman be that kind of, stressed um openly um you know women aren't again like don't show your emotions don't be a stress head but getting to see that on stage is it's really nice um and I like that with a lot of Sondheim female characters you get to see their in like their kind of inner dialogue um as well as what they say kind of out loud
0: yeah I think yeah. that's very interesting that you brought up Jamie because obviously in the in the gender reversal production, the 2018 revival, Amy is now Jamie. And I think that's very interesting to see that thought process on a man yeah. as well. Like obviously we're focusing a lot on female, but that sort of process has been more, not humanized, mm-hmm. but that it can be related both to both genders. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's why I wanted to talk about Bobby so much because I think a lot of her experiences is, is very relatable to what you've just said, Emily, about how um, the experiences that people... Every single thing that we experience happens on both a male and a female spectrum and then every obviously everything in between. And I just think, like, it's really interesting to see how these kind of experiences are reflected um kind of like a mirror if that makes any sense
0: (laughs) yeah i think yeah i think i agree that by company um gender swap in this role i think it humanizes bobby and the show in that um these reactions that bobby is having are human reactions as opposed to male reactions or female reactions and that everybody goes through this in love and life and that gender has no tie to any of those feelings
2: yeah definitely
1: yeah, yeah. i mean when when you compare the two scripts the 1970 script with the 2018 script there are hardly any um alterations made other than yeah. pronouns really there's um there's no especially in terms of uh, bobby's dialogue and uh lyric there's really not a lot of changes and i think it's it's like what emily said you can literally copy and paste these emotions and these thoughts onto someone of a complete of a different gender and they mean the same thing um yeah it's very nice
2: definitely definitely i think it's really interesting to see like a character so content when we're saying about um talking about like reflection um going back to my previous point about how women are kind of like, oh, you've got a biological clock yet. Oh, have you settled down yet? Kind of thing. And they go through that. Luckily, I haven't, because I mean, I'm only 21. But a lot of women do go through that. A lot of my friends have been through that. And I like how Bobby can just so confidently come onto a stage and be like, you know what it is? It's okay that. I don't want this. She's actually really, truly content on being on her own. And then she's also addressing how for women... While we don't see that on Amy's part, we see it in Bobby that being with one person for the rest of your life may feel like kind of daunting. But she also shows herself how it can be beautiful, and shows herself how the good outweighs the bad in the situation. Because I also wanted to touch upon the song "Being Alive," because even though she's got all these people being like, "Oh, we've got a fella like um I've got a fella for you. I've got this person for you. Uh, what are you settling down?" And she actually at the end, she comes to that conclusion on her own, like that maybe marriage isn't so scary, maybe love isn't isn't so scary, but she doesn't come from to that conclusion from a place of peer pressure. And I think that's very interesting as well. She I think she is really a strong, kind of independent person that kind of makes her own decisions. She lets other people influence her, of course, as we all do. It's like going back to the whole this is a human reaction to what's going on. Um yeah, I think that's what yeah it's really refreshing to see a character
3: just completely uh, as a single person who you can, you can relate to. And it's, it's really nice because you just sort of every time you see, Oh, this person's married to this person or they fancy them. And you kind of like, it's, it's lovely to see someone who is so content and just at peace with themselves. And I think that's great, especially as they changed The gender to be female it's really it's really empowering actually that as a woman it is okay to be approaching 30 or um, however old bobby is and to be single that's fine it's whatever makes you happy definitely
0: anna do you have something to
1: say um i just want to draw a parallel into like another kind of pop culture um thing. So you've got Bobby um single at 35. Well it's her 35th birthday um when the show opens. Um I just wanted to draw a parallel to Bridget Jones who is 32 in the first movie. Um and just to kind of um you know what we see in pop culture as you know the single female like the crazy plant lady or the crazy cat lady who maybe should lose a few pounds to be loved or you know smokes too much or drinks too much. Um, and then we see Bobby, who, you know, she has a life together, really. She's got friends. She's probably got a decent job. You know, she can afford to live in New York um, and hang around with people with good jobs and nice houses. So I just think it's a really interesting parallel. Um, you know, it really flips that stereotype on its head that women can be, you know, inverted commas, eligible bachelors too. Um, they can, you can be single and have your life together you don't have to be Bridget Jones. Now, speaking as a Bridget Jones, um, (laughs) those women do exist. But, um, you know, there are women out there who you can be happy and successful without, like, and be single. And for a lot of women, meeting someone else is a bonus and like an add-on to their life and not the end goal. And I think that's something that is highlighted really well in the 2018 adaptation.
2: Yeah, like, I th- I completely agree with that cuz looking in my experience I I definitely do see that meeting someone is like is an add on I would I'm more like put my career and stuff forward I'd like to like, travel the world and if you do want it, every single person's experience in this world is different and it is kind of like I said like I it's like I said before when I look up on a stage I like to see someone that i can relate to and i really relate to bobby and it's nice to see that you can be successful and you don't have to be shamed about your life decisions it's okay to be like oh well i'm single and i don't have a child and i'm like 35 and that's okay and people just like oh cool um and I remember, like, reading something and about Sondheim and saying that most theater is about an escape from your reality, whereas Sondheim likes to challenge his audiences and put them in front of like a mirror, as if like you're watching something that you are a part of, and that you are you're watching yourself on stage. And I think that is so relevant with the twenty eighteen version, because I, I've obviously said a lot about that. But yeah,
0: do you I think, think it, there's. Any other Sondheim shows that would work with a flipped gender in Ooh. any roles?
3: You know what? I'd love to see a female Toby in Sweeney Todd. Toby? Yeah. Hi, Toby. Because, I mean, I don't really feel like his gender is relevant to the story anyway. I feel like he, he is a vulnerable young person, um, not always a child. And he is, they are really, they go through some dark things and you can get a different dynamic with Pirelli and also with Mrs. Lovett later on. If perhaps Toby is played by a woman, I think that would be really interesting. Vocally, it might be a bit of a challenge. A lot of it's quite high and tenary, but it's, I think it would be really interesting theatrically.
1: Anna? Yeah. The first time I performed in Sweeney Todd, um, the actor who played Toby was trans. Um, and it was really, it's really interesting because, um, there was no, there was at no, at no point being another actor in the show. Did I ever question that decision? There was, I think a role like Toby, um, it's all about, like you said, that vulnerability, um, and the, the kind of edge to him, there's, uh, or her, or they. There's no real need for the the gender to be specified in any way. Um. Yeah, I think it really worked, and I think that's something that can be brought forward into a lot of theatre where a trans c- actor can play a trans character and not have to. It doesn't have to mean anything. They can just exist yeah. in the world of the play. Um. I think and it goes that, back to. It is what it is.
0: It goes back to the characters being, like having human relations as opposed to those being tied to gender. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
2: It's like that mirror that I just said before. Like, there could be somebody who is perhaps non, like, because we're talking about Toby here, as if like his gen, like their gender doesn't like matter. Could be like a non-binary person sitting in the audience and being like, oh, them, they. Their gender or their, how they identify is completely irrelevant to their story, and I think that's kind of, it's kind of beautiful. I think, yeah.
3: yeah. I think it can yeah. be a, a lot of the time, especially as a woman, your your physical appearance can across musical theatre and the media and the whole, uh, in general, your physical appearance is often a plot point. Um, as someone who has been overweight, that's all it means that. In a lot of conventional musicals, that's always going to be a plot point. You're going to be the Tracy in Hairspray. You're not necessarily going to be a character where weight is irrelevant. It's really, it it really is, particularly for women. I don't feel that, I feel that there is a massive double standard in musical theatre with physical appearance and women. And it's so frustrating, but it's great that we're talking about it. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think this runs uh, into my idea of how amateur dramatics use gender in that when I was uh, younger, um, there was a lot of shows that we did. We did Joseph. We did Seven Brides with Seven Brothers. Um, And in all of these shows, I played males as like a nine-year-old girl who was still trying to work out what what our place was in the world and I was extremely tall and I think that kind of just pocketed me into well you're tall you don't fit along the girls in the show you can play older characters you can play male characters um yeah do you have any experiences of playing men as children I definitely
2: do I definitely yeah. do even even like when I'm having a look at like um I've just finished my three years of training at uni and looking at even just something as simple as being in like a dance class and doing dance performance I've I was always like all the short petite girls not to say that there's anything wrong with them but it just so happened that the shorter petite girls were put with the boys in the class we only had about six or seven boys in our class and then I would also be a mate like one of the boy the boy part in the dance if it was like a partner dance and I would always be that and I was I remember like asking my dance teacher and I said is there any chance I could like you know like I could be partnered with the boys because there was there were boys that were taller than me and I would so it was just a bit confusing for me and I just basically said like is there any chance that I could get the opportunity to play, a, 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 like, the girl kind of part. And she was just saying, like, oh, it's because of your height and your build, there's just girls that are more suited it, to it. And I think that is such a toxic thing, personally, because, like, I like as a woman, I am valid. I am a valid person to play anything I want to be, whether it is a man's part in a dance or a woman's part. And I think it's very kind of... Toxic to say, oh, well, you're a certain... Going back to what Grace said about, like, size and stuff like that, I think it's quite not okay to be like, oh, well, Emily, you're a certain height, so you have to play this role. And you haven't got a say in the matter. Because who... Going back to our recent production of um, Merrily We Roll Along, I am shoulders above uh, Matthew College, who played Frank. I am, like, we're completely two different sizes. But on stage... Who's to say that that dynamic didn't work with me as Beth and him as Frank? I think, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I does think, anyone else
0: think? I think, obviously, uh, there's many logistical problems about, like, younger, where I came from, there was not that many boys. Um, and, obviously, in your dance class, there's not that many. There wasn't, there was, like, seven boys, did you say? Yeah. But, um yeah, I definitely think there's opportunity for everyone to learn how to be a girl and learn that element. Even the of boys. Fear. Yeah, even the boys if they want to, Anna.
1: I think um one thing for girls, it really what Ellen said about like the dance teachers being like, "Oh, well, they're better suited to the role." Those things really embed ideas into your head. Um, So I'm five foot like three, if that, I am not very tall. Um, And I grew up really quite skinny um, and I would still be put like as a boy um, because there were girls who were skinnier than me um, to the point where now I am one of the shortest people in my class. And I automatically, when we go to do partner work, I will make myself a boy just like out of default, because I think like, oh, well, I was told that one time when I was nine that I was too heavy. Um, so I'm going to put myself as a boy so I don't have to face that like rejection. Um, same with when we did Shakespeare. Um, recently, we did Twelfth Night. And when they were like, who do you want to be? I was like, Malvolio, please let me be a boy so I don't have to like try and be a girl, um, which I think is hilarious, because when you get these ideas as a as a young woman, when you get these ideas instilled into you, like oh you're tall so you can only play old parts, or you're small and like so you can only play like little comedy parts, or um, I don't know you're too big, you're too thin, uh, they really stick with you, and like no matter what you kind of grow up to look like or to act like or to sound like, you automatically put yourself back in that box, and I think it's really sad because for, for the most part. It does stem from amateur dramatics or like local dance schools that kind of instill that um, thought pattern into you from when you first start your training.
2: Yeah. Ellen? I think that is such a relevant point. I think it is so valid because even when, like, through when, I, when I've been doing stuff like stuff at uni, stuff with other amateur dramatic groups. I've always been like put into that box. And I think my first kind of female-esque role would have been in Chicago when I was one of the the Merry Murdresses. And I remember getting the role and I was like, I can't do that. And then I did it. And then I got the role of Gussie originally in the uh, in the show that we've just done Merry We Roll Along. And I remember like getting that role with like alongside Emily when we were double cast. Back in, the, back in the OG days where, and I was thinking, how am I going to, I read the script, how am I going to play that? The least sexy, the least feminine person on the planet. How am I going to play that? And it stems from, it's not a fact that I am not feminine and I am not sexy. It's the fact that I don't have the experience or lack of experience of playing those kind of roles and being that kind of person. And it kind of made me into I mean I'm wearing a dress right now, but like i I do I would go for a pair of pants rather than a dress because that's just the box that I've been fitted into that I am like a more masculine person and with a more masculine build and a masculine height I mean I'm only five foot eight i'm not I'm not like massive <laughs> <But> yeah thanks
3: <laughs> oh yeah Brilliant. I wanted to Say that I go back to when you're young and you. I went to a girls' school from the age of eleven and did played lots of male roles. But I think when you are a teenager, you are you're always thinking. Well, personally, what I was thinking was, what does everyone else think of me? Why why have I been cast in this role? And actually, I think when you are young, especially, it can be another barrier to stop you relating to a character. You might even when you're reading a book in English lessons together some like someone in the class had to read the male role and you can't it was kind of a barrier mentally there was nothing wrong with doing it but when you were just between the ages of 11 and 18 and you're thinking oh what's everyone think what is it because I have big shoulders <laughs> like why am I playing this man and it was always the same and it was always a female role to so be chosen first and it was just really tough to um, have the confidence to go actually I want to play this role and I can relate to this say Jack in into the woods you could, you could say oh yeah I'm going to play uh, this, this role or we're going to read it in rehearsal and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I think you get really uptight and self-conscious, especially as a performer, because you're constantly judging. you constantly compare when you go to auditions, you're going to be up there with people who look like you. And it's a real, you can, it can get quite, um, it, it can be quite easy to be quite uptight and um, aware of how you look. And you just think, this is me. This is how I am. I'm going to read for this role and my physical appearance and my gender
0: doesn't
1: limit what I can do. Yeah, that I, was uh,
3: a rant. <laughs> I think on that
0: point, we should uh, we should wrap up the podcast to our hour, over our time limit. Um, so yeah, um, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to my guests for coming to chat with me. It got a bit deep, but I think it was a really insightful conversation to have. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, And we'll see you all next week for episode five. Bye. Bye.